Have you ever felt helpless, exhausted, unmotivated, and just plain drained from your job? If you said yes to any or all of these symptoms, then you may be entitled to financial compensation. Nah, I'm, I'm just kidding, but I wish I wasn't. In all seriousness, those are just a few of the effects of what is known as burnout. What exactly is burnout, you ask? On this episode of This Is Fine, I'm going to offer you a crash course in what you need to know about burnout, particularly in caring professions. This podcast is being recorded during the 2020, now 2021, COVID pandemic. And as many people in caring professions can attest right now, burnout is a constant companion. This episode of This Is Fine was written by Anne Keating, who is unable to record it herself. So I'll be narrating for her. My name is Molly Hospers, and let's talk about burnout. Burnout has three components, emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and a decreased sense of accomplishment. Burnout can have both mental and physical symptoms. Burnout is often seen in professions that involve caring for others. What exactly is a caring profession? These are types of jobs that involve taking care of or looking after other people. Often, the people being cared for are vulnerable populations. When you think of this definition, what professions come to mind? The three most well-known caring professions are nursing, teaching, and social work. These are the ones we will be talking about today. Of course, there are countless others, such as personal support workers, educational assistants, or mental health support workers. Burnout is something that can occur in any work environment, but these caring professionals are at a significantly greater risk. For example, imagine the life of a nurse. You work 12-hour shifts, spending all day or night caring for those in need, leaving you with hardly any time to care for yourself. Patients and their family members are often making repeated demands on your time. You have to administer meds on a specific schedule, make sure everyone is comfortable and has their needs met, and keep people alive. People in hospitals don't want to be there and are often not happy. The job often involves watching patients die and seeing their loved ones grieve. Nurses are carrying a major emotional load, as well as often having too high of a caseload. Without proper support and time away from work, this is a recipe for burnout. Today, I will be talking about how burnout in caring professions has been studied, the primary causes of burnout, as well as ways we can minimize and potentially eliminate burnout among these lines of work. Generally speaking, individuals who pursue a career path towards these professions are highly empathic and known for putting needs of others before their own. Being empathic and caring are highly desirable traits and almost a requirement for the job. But if you constantly put the needs of others before your own, that's unhealthy and can lead to burnout. With that being said, does it also mean that it takes more of a toll on the worker than if they were, say, lacking in empathy? Depending on how you look at it, being empathic could be a good thing for those receiving the support, but cause further strain on those providing said support. So, how has burnout in caring professions been studied? The most widely used instrument for studying and assessing burnout levels is a survey called the Maslach Burnout Inventory, which, for the purposes of this research, has two separate subtests, a general survey as well as one made specifically for those working in human services. Some examples of the questions present on the surveys are things like, I don't really care what happens to some patients. This is a measure of depersonalization, 
which is marked by an inability to care about others anymore. Another item is, I doubt the significance of my work, which reflects the decreased sense of accomplishment symptomatic of burnout. Emotional exhaustion often looks like excessive crying or feelings of being emotionally drained from work. I previously gave an example of the life of a nurse, but teachers are also a caring profession where we see a lot of burnout. To begin with, here's a bit of a personal anecdote. As someone with firsthand experience in the school system, I can definitely say that teachers need all the support they can get. When I was in the 12th grade, I did my co-op at a local elementary school. The majority of work was in a fourth grade classroom. It had about four kids who really needed extra support, either an educational assistant or some other class aide. For these few months, I essentially played the role of an educational assistant. For the most part, I spent most of my time with a fourth grade girl who had fetal alcohol syndrome, among other issues. This little girl clearly needed more help than what she was getting, and that's where I came in. At the time, I was only 17 years old, and I had little to no idea what I was doing. Sure, I had been teaching swimming lessons since I was 15, but nothing could have prepared me for that. I was only with her a few hours a day, and I can remember the many times where I left, and as soon as I got in my car, I broke down crying. I was not equipped to deal with the situations I was put into. Lack of adequate training is a major contributor to workplace burnout. I was thrust into a high level of care with no training at all. The poor girl had been through so much, and I wanted to take her home and take care of her myself because I had begun to care so much for her. Even though I cared so much, I was inadequately trained to deal with her circumstances, which made me feel guilty and definitely contributed to the burnout I was feeling. Another one of my responsibilities was with a kindergarten student dealing with very severe ADHD. Interestingly enough, I had ADHD as well. I just didn't know it at the time. This allowed me to really connect with her because I knew how she felt and I understood her difficulties. There were a few other students I worked with one-on-one, with either reading or math. I realized that the reason that they had me doing all this work was not because they wanted me to gain experience. Of course, that was a factor. But the key reason was they simply didn't have anyone else to do it. They were understaffed and needed me to do this work even though I wasn't trained to be doing the job. A study of teachers included in both permanent and temporary positions found that one-third of the teachers considered themselves to be flourishing. Well, over half were moderately mentally healthy, and 8% were languishing. Differences were present between temporary and permanent teachers. Teachers with temporary positions were dealing with the lack of stability over their jobs. Mental health played a key role in burnout among teachers and is the best predictor of potential burnout. It is important to remember that positive mental health is more than just the absence of a mental disorder. Some other prominent causes of burnout among teachers is the lack of resources and support. It's not uncommon for teachers to spend their own money on tools needed to do their jobs, which can contribute to financial stress as well. Also, with the COVID-19 pandemic running rampant now in 2021, teachers have had to completely readjust the way they do things. In New Brunswick, we are lucky that the kids can still go to in-person classes in many cases. However, that's not the same everywhere. Online classes can hinder the ability for teachers to connect with their students, which can be hard on both the teacher and the student. Lack of funding and support definitely plays a key role in teacher burnout, 
And the same goes for nurses. Studies have shown that nurses are disproportionately affected by burnout. As the largest single group of healthcare providers, nurses are still stretched way too thin, ultimately increasing their likelihood of burning out. Because of the long hours and demanding nature, nurses are often overworked and undercompensated, which results in them leaving the profession. It is essentially a vicious cycle of nurses leaving the profession because they're overworked, because of the nursing shortage, which further increases the nursing shortage. One study found that 33% of registered nurses seek a new job within one year. In some studies, compassion fatigue was used interchangeably with burnout. Compassion fatigue is defined as a state of exhaustion which limits the ability to engage in caring relationships. Compassion fatigue is not something that occurs overnight. It begins with compassion discomfort and then escalates to compassion stress, followed by full-blown compassion fatigue and burnout. Within the nursing profession, you are expected to be responsible for a wide range of patients with a wide range of needs. In one large study, researchers found that nurses describe themselves as walking on a tightrope and having unbearable weight on their shoulders and even feeling alone in a crowded room. I think this has a lot to say about the sheer lack of support that these healthcare professionals have access to. Many of these nurses experiencing these dangerously high levels of burnout are dealing with pre-existing mental health conditions. Not only is burnout harmful to the caregivers by seriously compromising their quality of work, but you can imagine the effects that this has on their patients. Unhappy caregivers means unhappy patients. Clearly, something needs to change. In terms of the COVID-19 crisis, you can imagine the added stress this has caused. Now more than ever, nurses are feeling alienated from friends and family because, of course, if you're going to be around sick people, others are going to want to stay away from you. Nurses need that support, especially right now, but clearly it's hard when you're scared that you will either get someone sick or even bring something into work and infect patients. I will be very interested to see if any changes are made to the healthcare system because of COVID-19. Will nurses finally get the staff, pay, and support they need? It's no secret that employees work better and more efficiently when they're well-rested and supported. A commonly cited study examined burnout in palliative care nurses. The results indicated that two-fifths of nurses reported having high emotional exhaustion, high depersonalization, and low personal accomplishment. It was found that the most severely impacted by burnout were individuals who were dealing with external factors, such as single parents, those who worked longer hours, or those who worked a second job. Evidently, with that much going on, you have very little time for any form of self-care. These results were almost not as bad as I had anticipated, mainly because, I mean, palliative care is essentially taking care of people who are dying. Obviously, that's going to take a toll on a person. One thing I learned about burnout from the book of the same name by Emily and Amelia Nagoski was that a way to battle burnout was to focus on your something larger. People who see that there's a greater purpose in their work are less likely to burn out. When thinking about palliative care nurses whose job is to care for people who are on the verge of death, you might be thinking to yourself, well, why the heck would anyone do that job? But think about the bigger picture here. These nurses dedicate their lives to supporting and helping people transition peacefully and comfortably to death. And that is a very, very important job. 
finally, the last caring profession I will discuss is social work. The job of a social worker is to provide support to very vulnerable populations, often kids, who are in very troubling situations. It really takes a special kind of person to be a social worker. Empathetic, caring, and passionate. These qualities also make you exceptionally vulnerable to burnout. This is where vicarious trauma comes in, which is essentially the emotional residue left over from working with people as they're going through trauma and becoming witness to the pain, fear, and terror that trauma survivors have or are experiencing. So these social workers are practically taking the pain and putting it on themselves. Although they may leave work, for many, they can never really leave work. If a client needs them, they gotta be there, even if it's in the middle of the night. As you can imagine, this would take a massive emotional toll on a person, and without adequate support, can quickly become a serious case of burnout. People in caring positions, particularly in positions that deal with a lot of trauma, need more structural and emotional supports in place. They need an outlet, such as the therapist, they need manageable workloads, and they need paid days off when they can take a mental health break. However, like nurses and teachers, social work organizations tend to be overworked and understaffed. All of these caring positions are generally government-run or not-for-profit organizations, so our taxpayer dollars go to pay them. When using taxpayer money, governments are pressured to keep costs low, but this pressure has a direct impact on the long-term mental and physical health of the people who care for the taxpayers. It's a vicious cycle. As we can see, nurses, teachers, and social workers have a lot on their plates. Not only do they have their work, but you also have to consider that they have lives outside of the workplace. A lot of the time, the effects of the workplace heavily impact their personal lives. I think that there are a lot of ways that we can try to minimize or even completely eradicate burnout among caring professions. Here are the top five ways to prevent or treat burnout. One, the first and my personal favorite would be to complete the stress response cycle. This can be done in a variety of ways, such as laughter, crying, or my personal favorite, physical activity. Two, practicing mindfulness, which has also been shown to reduce the emotional burden and decrease the levels of burnout. The third way would be more support at work and at home. This includes adequate training in the workplace, adequate staffing so people are not overworked, and built-in emotional support, such as free therapy, debriefing at the end of the shift, or varying forms of support from your family. The fourth, it is very important to set professional boundaries. Empathetic people often throw themselves into their work and deprioritize their own care. In order to be able to care for others, you need to care for yourself first. Of course, for some people, they truly do not have the time to care for themselves if they're working multiple jobs to support their family. This is why, again, it is important for workplaces to prioritize paid time off for employees so they can take mental health days when needed. And last but not least, one really beneficial way to process emotions is to express your emotions through writing. This is a free treatment available to anyone who can write. On the episode of Writing for Relief in this podcast series, you can hear all about the research on the benefits of writing. Although these smaller things we can do individually are beneficial, I think a lot of these issues involve the bigger picture. 
like the workplace itself taking steps to care for their employees. If we can commit to educating workplaces about burnout and how to help and support their employees, improvements can definitely be made. This is Fine, a podcast about stress, burnout, and resilience, was created by students at Mount Allison University. The students created each episode as part of a fourth-year psychology class called Stress, Burnout, and Resilience, taught by me, Dr. Lisa Don Hamilton. There's a link in the show notes to access the full script with references. You can also go to mta.ca slash psychology and click on the This Is Fine podcast link. Episodes were recorded at the CHMA studios in Sackville, New Brunswick, or over the internet when that wasn't possible. Script assistance, podcast basics, and training were provided by Matt Tunnicliffe. Music and audio production by Jeremy Dahl at paleblue.studios. Thanks for listening and for supporting these students' foray into the world of podcasting. Podcasting.